Kids Comics is a The Devil Will Make Work for Idle Hands to Do production. And all opinions expressed by Michael and Andrew in the show are the opinions of Michael and Andrew and probably not to be taken too seriously. All music and sound clips used in the show are copyright the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. Michael and Andrew make no money for this, much to their chagrin. New episodes drop every Thursday at aplayland.podomatic.com, but you can also listen through our Facebook page, which you can friend us on by using Hey Kids as the first name and Comics as the second name. You can also listen on our website, where you can also view the covers of the comics we've covered this week. That's www.heykidscomics.webspace.virginmedia.com. If you have an opinion on our opinions, you can email us on heykidscomics at virginmedia.com. We also have a forum, www.forumforgeeks, all one word, .com, where you can drop by and say hello if you're allergic to email. Hey Kids Comics! Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Hey Kids Comics. I'm Andrew Leyland. I'm Michael Leyland. Oh, you're not me this week then? No, are you? Are you sure about that? How can any of us be sure that they're really them? How can you be sure that you're me? That I'm you? That this entire world is real and life is not a dream? But that was just a dream. That was just a dream. That's me in the corner. That's me in the spotlight. Told you, Mum. Told you. <laughs> what did you? What did he say? Mum uh, uh, was just like, "You're gonna have to leave your dad alone. He's a bit upset. I'm He's really upset. <laughs> REM have split up. He's oh, singing man. REM all the time. He's been listening to them all the. He's, he's just really upset. I wouldn't say I was really upset. All oh, right, are you are you BSing? Just. Anyway. Set and you were gonna say, are you singing R.E.M. a lot? Did you listen to him in the car? I listened to Collapse into Now on the way from work, yes. I listened to Monster on the way to Did you? Oh, uh, well. Uh, anyway, before we turn into a, a music podcast... Which we would do good at. Yeah, which isn't a bad idea, actually. I'm sure there are many other music podcasts out there. Email! Listen to me shake the feedback into the microphone. Because yes, despite it being emailed, I print them out. (laughs) Oh dear God, there's just no accounting for taste. Um, The first email that we have is from Chris McGee, who who says... He spells his name different. Oh no he doesn't, McGee is spelled the same as Jack. So yes, Mr McGee... Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. I bet he's never had that before. <laughs> uh, dear Michael and Andrew, he puts your name before mine. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure that I'm liking he's that. A man of great taste. Is he really a man of great taste? Okay, fair enough. I just finished listening to your latest episode, the 1970s Spider-Man episode, and I can honestly say that, and this is in capitals, this is your best episode ever. Well, thank you very much, Chris. He thought that was our best episode ever. Maybe none of our artists. I think so. Our episode was good. He doesn't say the TV show was good. A very important distinction, yeah. though. I think you'll agree. I heard Scott Gardner from Two True Freaks Podcast recommend your show. We really should pay them some money, shouldn't we? Yeah. For the amount of uh, pimping they've done. Uh, and within a few weeks, I have gone back and listened to every episode and have enjoyed them all. Well, thank you very much, Chris. I wonder how many hours that is now of just listening to me and you waffle about comics. Too much. No. 
my wife has lost her voice. So that croakiness that you probably just didn't hear was her saying that we talk too much about Sorry, comics. Sorry, what did you say? See? She can't <laughs> retort. <laughs> Actually, I don't like my life. What? You don't like your life? I, don't, I hate my life. I don't like my wife losing her voice because I actually think she's got quite a nice voice, but so, that's just me. Anyway, Chris continues, care. The idea of a father and son sharing a hobby like comic books gives your show a dynamic that is truly unique. Thank you both and keep up the good work. We'll try. Yeah, that guy in my, uh, my school I was telling you about before, he was just like, oh, oh, I wish my dad read comics. <laughs> Oh, tell him if he wants. He can come round here and read some comics with us and he can be on the show. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, just a few points about the Spider-Man series I would like to share with you. Peter's uncle was only mentioned once during the pilot episode and was called Uncle Max, not Uncle Ben. Why they felt the need to change this integral part of Spider-Man's origin is beyond me. As regards Rita Conway, I always thought of her as an analogue to Gloria Grant, who replaced Betty Brant as Jamin the secretary in the mid-1970s. Her debut was around issue 140 of Amazing Spider-Man. At first, she was an aspiring model, but later took the secretary position when Betty left. Years later, when Betty Brown returned to the series, she served as Joe Robertson's secretary with Glory remaining as Jonah's secretary. And that's that's actually a very good point. That I emailed him back saying I completely forgot about Glory Grant because that would be a much better analogue for Rita yeah. rather than Betty. Um, especially seen as the Ross Andrew run is one of my favourite Spider-Man runs. So that was a very good catch. Okay. On behalf of Chris there. Uh, the actress who played Rita is listed as Laverne Chip Fields. Why would she call herself Chip? Because she's down with the boars. I don't understand that at all. On her wiki page, and is the mother of Kim Field, who plays Tootsie, on the Facts of Life TV series. I don't recall that we got the Facts of Life TV series. Did it have a sequel, The Birds and the Bees? Yes. Well, that would have been the prequel, wouldn't it? The Birds and the Bees and then the Facts of Life. You can only explain the Facts of Life once you've got the kids. Right. Okay. That's just me. Though, I've no idea. I no, I don't know if that show off. got over. Yes, you did. <laughs> I saw totally. Ex- anyway, but we're not going into that on the show. Giggling. Yes, you ran off laughing. Um, and so you'll have to let us know if the Facts of Life TV series was worth watching. I, I don't know that we ever got that. Why they felt the need to change the name is once again a mystery, as she was clearly meant to represent Glory from the comic series. I eagerly await your next episode. Your loyal listener, Chris McGee. Thank you very much for that, Chris. That was we very have a kind. Loyal listener. Yes, we have a loyal listener. Our second email, which just has the subject heading of hi, which was quite cool. Hi, yeah. How you doing? Hi, Andrew and Michael. That's better. Normality has been resumed, though, I think. I have nothing clever to say. That's not me, because I, I always have something clever to say. That's the email. Um, and it's from Jay. I didn't say who it was from, did I? I'm just crap. That's not very professional. Hi, Andrew and Michael, says J. David Wheater. I have nothing clever to say, says David, but I like your podcast, and in specific the look at Nightfall that you two wrapped up back in July. Well, it's funny you should mention that, David, as I am about to insert a plug, not into my butt, because that would be wrong, but for upcoming shows. I have just dug out every single Night Quest issue, except the one we don't have. We don't have Legends of the Dark Knight. Is it issue 60? Legends of the Dark Knight, issue 60. I cannot find anywhere. So I'm putting this out there. If anyone has a double of that issue or knows where I can get one for cheap, let me know because I've not been able to find one yet. But I've just dug all those issues and Night's Quest is coming your way very soon. 
Anyway, David continues. It brought me back to a summer when I was chasing down each and every chapter, diving into back issue bins until it was complete. It's scary to think that I was actually excited for a new Batman that wasn't Dick Grayson. Jean-Paul Valley was a massive douche, and I regret that I thought something different wouldn't be better. My question is about Captain America. Since the two of you are, well, British, what is the perception of Captain America in the United Kingdom? Anyway, I just wanted to drop a line to the show and tell you guys to keep up the good work. Thank you, David. David does a Xavier's podcast, which okay. is very good, and he does a Superman podcast, and he does a Captain America podcast, and he's very busy. In do answer we, to his question... Do we have a perception of Captain America? I don't America. know what the general perception of Captain America is. I mean, I emailed him back with my answer, but what's your perception of Captain America as a Brit? I'm a perception of Captain America as a Brit. He's a, uh, it's probably the same perception the Americans have, only he's not the patriot of my country. Is that it? Yeah. See, I got a soft spot for Cap. I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't have a big thing for Cap or anything. I like Captain America. I like the whole World War Two milieu, and I like that in the hands of good, ra- good writers, Captain America doesn't forget the role that others played in the war. There are some uh, US movies that try to sweep the contribution of other countries under the carpet when they deal with World War II. That's why that bit in The Ultimates annoyed me when he points to the A on his head and says, Do you think this stands for France? And whilst it is very funny, there's a part of me that that Cap would be very well aware of the French resistance during World War II and probably wouldn't mock them in that way. I always think that's more the writer than the character. I like Captain. I think the the Avengers cartoons are awesome, even though I did fall asleep last night watching the last episode. So I'll have to watch it again. There's a brilliant episode of that where Cap comes out of the ice and fights all the other Avengers and beats them. Fair enough. That's how cool that one is. Did Thor not pony his ass because, you know, Thor's a god. Um, I would imagine later on Thor would have kicked his ass. But in the initial battle, Cap won because Cap cool. Thank you very much for that, David. Our next email comes Couch Potato a Month is the headline, and it comes from Sean Engel, a.k.a. Joe Anthrax, which is still a most excellent name. Most excellent, indeed. Hello, Andrew and Michael. So I'm two for one on this. I (laughs) I thoroughly enjoyed your Couch Potato episodes over the past few weeks. Thank you very much. You have definitely covered some of the best Batman the Animated Series, The Adventures of Superman, and some of the worst Spider-Man that television has offered up. As you've stated in the podcast, running audio commentaries are some of the easiest shows to do, as there is little to no editing to be done. It can also be the hardest to do, because you don't have a definite script to run from, and many times you may be commenting incorrectly, missing key plot points, or stumbling over your ideas, which I think we did all of those Even things, didn't you did we? have a script. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't really follow it, did I? No. Once we decided, whilst we were doing the psychic, that well, let's do this as a commentary, everything just went out the window at that point, didn't it? Yep. Uh, to your credit, continues Sean, Joe, you were able to do five episodes of commentary on a diverse number of shows and have them be both informative and entertaining. Thank you very much. I'm quite proud of that. Dude. Especially as it was uh, on the fly. Michael's sketching Superman. Very good. I'm very impressed with that. That's good. I personally, continues Sean, remember the Incredible Hulk series fondly from my youth. It was and still is a classic, and many episodes are very rewatchable. I was also around to see the Spider-Man series as well as the Doctor Strange pilot, which aren't so rewatchable, but are definitely a product of the 70s. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen the Doctor Strange TV movie. I've seen the Captain America ones. Yeah. Not very good. 
Well, we have to watch this. Do this the Doctor Strange one. Yeah. We made it. If Michael thought the music in Spider-Man was reminiscent of adult cinema, <laughs> he should check out the Doctor Strange pilot, where the actors look like they just stepped off the set Swedish erotica shoot. Peter Hooten is a near-perfect stand-in for John Holmes, a clothed John Holmes, mind you. <laughs> do you know who John Holmes is? No. Other than the reference in Reservoir Dogs? No. He's digging tunnels, man. John Holmes was very well endowed. Okay. Let's just leave it at that because this is a family show. I was working nights when the Flash series was on, continues Sean, so I sporadically caught episodes of the show, but I do remember the pilot and the trickster episodes being great. Batman the Animated Series is perhaps the best adaptation of the character in any medium, and the Over the Edge episode is one of the greatest ones. I only caught a few episodes of The Adventures of Superman when local television stations would run it after Saturday morning cartoons, trying to capitalise on the success of the Christopher Reeve films, so I'll have to try and track down episodes of that show. Uh, yeah, I actually recommend them. I had no knowledge whatsoever of the George Reeves stuff until I picked up the DVDs, and I really enjoy that show. Yeah. I really like Superman as take no prisoners, punches people in the face. Throws people off cliffs. Yeah. Now stay here <laughs> and don't move. But if you happen to trip and fall, well, hey, that means my secret identity's safe, doesn't it? <laughs> all in all, the month was a success, continues Sean, and the shows you put out were filled with wit and wisdom. Well, thank you very much. Thankfully, there are plenty more comic book related TV shows that you could go back to on your next Couch Potato series, such as the awesome Justice League, Justice League Unlimited series, and the not-so-awesome Fantastic Four cartoons from the 70s, which replaced the Human Torch with Herbie. Ugh. Yeah, they were pretty bad. Um, we have... Oh, go fantastic on. for one. We may do, but I don't think much of it. We have put the call out that we may do Couch Potato again over Christmas. Yeah. And Ben Rush has said he can provide us with which TV shows did Christmas episodes. Okay. Hopefully you can also provide us where to get copies of them. Because I think I've only got Holiday Nights and Christmas with the Joker. Very internet. Well, yeah, the internet for The only one I can think of off the top of my head is Lois and Clark did a Christmas episode. Okay. Which we could rip the mick out of. Yeah, Probably. I'd do uh, but I don't, I don't know of any others. So, Ben, I'm taking you up on that offer. Anyhow, can't wait for the new episodes. I was glad to talk to you on the TTF Wonder Woman Captain America show and hope you had an enjoyable summer vacation. That one you did Sincerely, twice. Joe Anthrax. Sean Engel. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was fun talking to Joe and her you metal hero. Twice. Her metal hero actually does a pretty good British accent. Okay, then. I was quite impressed with that. Well, yeah, I was but, yes, we, my bed we did it twice. Yeah. Four in the morning, mm, and you were just oh, going all no. over your Bill Hicks jokes. Carry on, regardless. I'd hate to be a bit and cowly tonight. Yeah, I think we were just slagging off the riots. Yeah. You don't have riots. <laughs> Our final email for this particular batch comes from Luke Giaconetti who didn't let me down did he not when I said on the show we don't know anything about Hartman Luke Giaconetti knows about Hartman email us Luke and he did I know some things about Hartman are you ready for this you're gonna like this let me get my helmet okay hey guys just a quick note about your Hartman discussion on the first reboots episode now you might want to put a helmet on because I'm about to blow your mind. I've not read that. I've not this, uh, Michael <laughs> is absolutely right. <laughs> He's getting a round of applause here. The Golden Age Earth 2 Hawkman was human archaeologist Carter Hall, the reincarnation of the ancient Egyptian prince Khufu. He uses the ancient element Nth metal, originally called Ninth metal in reference to the eight classical metals, to fly with his wing harness and uses ancient weapons to fight evil. 
The Silver Age Earth One Hawkman was a Thanagurian police officer, Kata Hall. He uses the Thanagurian element Oomph Metal to fly with his wing harness and uses ancient weapons as well as advanced technology such as the Absorbascon to fight evil. Sounds cool. After the crisis, things get a little weird. Get? Essentially, Hawkman continued on in, on in his Silver Age incarnation for a few years after the crisis before Hawkworld was released and rebooted the character, causing all sorts of retcon problems. The post-crisis Hawkman is a Thanagurian police officer, or wingman, Catahol, who has metal wings in his uniform and uses advanced technology to fight evil. He later gets weirdly spiritual, gets organic wings and does all sorts of other oddball things before he, the Golden Age Hawkman, the Golden Age Hawk Girl, are all merged together with the Hawk Avatar into the Hawk God. Wait, wait, Hawkman and Hawk Girl Merge together <laughs> to become one. You need someone like you never needed love before. Gonna make love to you, baby. <laughs> Not a Spice Girls fan? No. Okay. The connection to Thanagar comes from the fact that the nth metal is from Thanagar. As of my writing, I do not know what the deal will be with the DC's reboot, The Savage Hawkman, but early indications are that it will continue to be human Carter Hall wearing the helmet and harness. That sounds really complicated to me. Nah, What's wrong with bitten by a radioactive spider? It'll give you radioactive cancer. Shut up. I did a blog last year, continues Luke, which goes into more detail, which you can see here, at beancarterhall.blogspot.com. I think I've stumbled upon that website Have you? before. I Excellent. Think, yeah. Good. Hope this clears some of it up. I am digging the reboot episode so far. Keep up the good work, dudes. Luke. Thank you very much, Luke. And thank you very much for not letting me down. We're going to play a promo for a fine, fine podcast. I don't know which one yet. And we'll be right back after these messages. The Hulk on Podcasts. Hulk like podcasts. Hulk listen to podcasts while Hulk smash. The Hulk on Peter David. Hulk like to read Peter David comics. Hulk has problem making words. Hulk write down. Peter David wrote a seminal run on the Incredible Hulk for 12 years. Some of the most provocative, compelling stories came from this era, filled with striking psychological overtones, bold character developments, and sharp humor. Along with artists like Todd McFarlane, Dale Keown, and Gary Frank, Peter David took the Incredible Hulk and the comic book medium as a whole to new heights. The Hulk on Peter David Podcasts. Uh, Hulk not find Peter David Podcasts. Hulk get mad. Hulk smash! Hey folks, in order to appease the Rampaging Hulk, there is an Incredible Hulk podcast devoted to Peter David. Pad Smash, an Incredible Hulk podcast, looks at the entire Peter David run on the Hulk, issue by issue in a bi-weekly format. Join me, J. David Weeder, on a journey through the saga of old J. Jaws at www.incrediblehulksmash.com. Incredible Hulk and all related characters copyright Marvel Comics. Pad Smash is not responsible for gamma radiation sickness, smashed MP3 players, overturned vehicles, tanks thrown through the ceiling, injured supervillains on the lawn, gamma bomb detonations, property damage from debris, deep-rooted psychological damages as a result of intense child abuse resulting in an alternate self-destructive personality with the strength of an atom bomb, or anal leakage.
after these messages. We'll be right back. Uh, where do I keep uh, hearing? I keep hearing that uh, somewhere and I can't remember where. It'll come back to me. Probably when I'm not thinking about it. Anyway, we've done email. Uh, welcome, therefore. <laughs> anyway, we've done email. So welcome to another in our relaunch season where we are looking at books and characters that have been relaunched to coincide or to blatantly try and cash in on the new DC 52 issue relaunch that will be debuting this very month. Or did it, debut this very month. previous month. Last month when you listened to this. Yes. Unless Time travel is this. very confusing. Online. Do you know, at some point, why we're here, there are four DeLoreans. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, today we'll be covering Daredevil. Everybody's favourite man without fear. Why do you have another favourite? Well, Hal Jordan is also described as a man without fear. And and Black Panther. Is the Black Panther a man without? Oh, he is now. Well, he was. Yeah, yeah. Time travel's very confusing, isn't it? He still is Daredevil. No, Daredevil's back, man. But but maybe they're doing a Batman Bruce Dick thing. Oh, but they're not doing that anymore. He's Nightwing now. Yes, he's back at being Nightwing where he belongs. Anyway, I've always loved. I actually wrote anyway in my notes. <laughs> I used to say yeah. I used to, I've just decided why bother editing it I'll just put it in the notes uh, I've always loved Daredevil for the unaware Daredevil was I think it's fair to say a second tier Marvel character arriving in early 1964 by Stanley's own admission DD was a bit of a Spider-Man knockoff a wise cracking superhero about town in this case New York but as a twist on the Spider-Man formula DD was a successful lawyer named Matthew Murdock he was also blind to me this has always been an excellent hook for the character. DD is blind, Justice is blind, but with hyper aware senses due to an accident as a child. He has that echolocation radar sense, yeah. doesn't he? Echo, 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 echo. That way, over there. <laughs> Matt saved the life of an elderly blind man in one of those twists of irony that Stanley loved so much was himself rendered blind by his heroism, whereby he was bathed in an unknown batch of chemicals that robbed him of his sight, but heightened all his other senses to super to superhuman levels. In terms of strength, however, Dee Dee is in the Batman League in that he has no specific superpowers, just he is an exceptional athlete and fighter. Dee Dee's other hook, one largely unexplored by writers, is that he is a lawyer and a vigilante, two flip sides that wouldn't seem to go together, but when handled well, is an excellent story device unique to this character. I first met Daredevil in the pages of UK reprint magazine Marvel Superheroes in the late 1970s. I distinctly remember the cover, an excellent Jack Kirby piece featuring Dee Dee fighting Captain America, which I've later discovered was actually a reprint of the US Daredevil issue 43. This was a relatively short-lived Marvel UK title, but in quick succession I was introduced to Matt Murdock and his law partner Franklin Foggy Nelson, the Jester, the Stiltman and the Gladiator. Due to the nature of UK reprints, I by and large skipped over the Black Widow era, and when I next read Daredevil in the pages of UK reprint magazine The Daredevils, it was 1983. The Frank Miller era was just beginning. Miller essentially took Daredevil, crossed him with early Spider-Man and Raymond Chandler, and made D.D. a crime noir book with superheroes. The Daredevils was a great magazine. In addition to Daredevil by Miller, it had Captain Britain by Alan Moore and Alan Davis, still the only time I've really enjoyed that character, and reprints of the Lee Remeter's Spider-Man. Sadly, it only lasted a year before merging with the mighty world of Marvel. Around this time, I started buying the US comics and became a semi-regular reader of Daredevil, which I remain to this day. What's your recollection of Daredevil, Michael? The film. 
That was your introduction to Daredevil? Probably. Proper, yeah. Really? But after that, it was like his appearances in other people's books, like Punisher and So you've never read a, a run on Daredevil? Yeah. I read Frank Miller's not long ago. I thought you read The Omnibus. Yeah, not long We've got The Omnibus for that. And did you enjoy it? I did, actually. Good. Because I don't think the film's as bad as everyone says it is. It's It's not great. It's watchable. The director's cut is better than the theatrical cut. I'm not seeing that. Uh, We have it on DVD. Oh, okay. Watch it. I shall. But that scene in the playground where he's fighting with Electra is just dumb as dirt. Yeah. In both versions. It's fair to say... Frank Miller has cast a huge shadow over Daredevil, with Marvel grand poobah Joe Quesada even going so far as to say that Dee Dee doesn't really exist before Miller. A statement I find does a huge disservice to the creators of those books, as well as dismissing tons of great, if slightly goofy, <coughs> Mike Murdock <coughs> stories. Since Miller, Dee Dee has been a mixed bag. Some creators, unable to get out from under Miller's shadow, just offer reheated, hard-boiled crime noir stories. The Denny O'Neill run has some great art, but some lacklustre characterisation, as O'Neill essentially writes D.D. as Batman. Anna Shenty turns the D.D. book into a soapbox polemic, and attempts to turn D.D. back into a regular superhero book, Carl Kiesel tried hard to bring the fun back to D.D., have been spurned by the readers, and sales declined. Daredevil was cancelled, and the book was relaunched as part of the Marvel Knights imprint in November of 1998. The issue had two covers, both by Joe Cazada and Jimmy Permiari. Both are poster-type images of DD. The first has Daredevil throwing his billy club at us, the reader, with a glorious New York sunset in the background, whilst the second had DD throwing his billy club at us, the reader, but the camera angle is above DD looking down on the caverns of New York below. Both images are excellent in what they are doing, introducing new readers and old to the high-flying acrobatics of the title character, and both images can also be used for merchandise and posters, as they are not story-specific. Something, I'm sure was not a consideration when they prepared these pieces of art. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Facetiousness aside, both are excellent covers with magnificent colouring. There is an interesting artistic decision in both these covers as well. In neither one do the artists show the bottom of Dee Dee's face, and both heavily emphasise the horns on his mask. We've got the cover that looks down on Daredevil. So is this the only one you've seen, then? Yeah. Have you not seen the other one? Well, once you've seen one, you've seen them all. Well, yes, but uh, this was before Quizada lost control of his anatomy. It still. No, I think that cover's fantastic. I mean, that bit that sticks out. Uh, that bit that sticks mm, out. Yeah, uh, a bit of sticking out on his, his, on his head forearm. Ridiculously awkward. No, so well, looks like he's just cut his entire body out and stuck it on the head. So we're having a minor difference of opinion there, then, aren't we? Minor. I think that's a fantastic cover. He still has fat feet. Well, that's mm. a Quizada trope by this point, so... At least he can know. draw feet better than Liffield. At least he can draw feet, mm. to be fair. Yeah, I like that cover, to be honest with you. Uh, anything else to say about the cover? No. I do like that they brought back Here Comes Daredevil, the man without fear. Yeah. From the old Stanley issues. The Here Comes had kind of fallen off after a while. The book is called Guardian Devil Part 1, hey, and the child the shall lead them all. It was written by Kevin Smith, with art by Joe Quesada and Jimmy Permiari. Tons of other people are in the credits as well. Um, I suppose I'd better read them. Can't read them. Oh, no, I will read them in the interests of completeness, but given that the on page 408, Brian Haberlin and Dan Keeney did the colours. RS and Comic Crafts, Lids Agrafotis did the lettering. Nancy DeCasian was the editor and Bob Harass was the editor-in-chief. Ironically, next to Bob Harass, it says you couldn't pay me enough to do his job. 
given that Quisada actually ended up doing his job. So, the story begins. Matt Murdock tosses and turns in bed, still recovering from his Dear John letter from former girlfriend Karen Page. Unable to sleep, he heads out to confession, whilst others in the city that never sleeps are also out and about this night. One, a 16-year-old girl named Gwyneth, runs through the streets pursued relentlessly by a Lincoln town car and carrying a newborn child. Matt, in the confessional chamber, hears the pursuit thanks to his enhanced senses and heads outside, changing to Daredevil as he goes. He stops the pursuers, but the girl goes missing. Back at the office, Matt picks up the scent of Gwyneth again, whilst Foggy is introducing him to a new client. He takes off, while, in the time that is mean, a shadowy figure kills off the pursuers D.D. caught in the previous pages. They're always shadowy figures. Dee's search is fruitless, but it doesn't matter because Gwyneth turns up at the office later that day, saying the baby was immaculately conceived. He barely has time to register this news, then Gwyneth drops another bombshell on him. The angels told her that he was Daredevil. She hands him the baby and leaves Matt alone with the child. Well, you don't know that for certain, do you? Well, there's a strong hint, there's a strong Catholicism. Yeah. I'm probably mispronouncing that. In all of Kevin Smith's words, dogma is extremely faithful to the Bible, despite okay. the protests that it got from people at the time. Was it bad? No, dogma's alright, actually. Okay. I quite like dogma. It's got a Mr. McGee, don't make me angry, you wouldn't like me when you're out, when I'm angry, gagging it. Another comic book reference yes. in a Kevin Smith film? Kel surprise. What did you think about this, Michael? Well, I hadn't read the book yet. Yes. And I saw Cusada. Yes. And I honestly thought, before opening the book, the art was terrible. Did you? Yeah. What did you think after reading the book? It wasn't all that great. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm, okay. I'm not a fan of Cusada. Also, uh, how long has Matt Murdock been a Catholic? I don't actually recall if he was a Catholic before this, mm. or if this is something that Kevin's put onto the, the book. Because I don't remember him being from the Frank um, Miller stuff. Yes, Born Again. Is he? Yes. He's a Catholic in Born Again. Have you never read that? No, not yet. Fantastic. One Frank of the best Miller. Daredevil stories ever done, and one of the best things Frank Miller's ever done. Okay. Then. Fantastic Born Again. Yeah, because his mum's in that, if memory serves. I've not read Born Again in ages. Is his mum dead? Well, that, they leave that ambiguous. It's worth reading Born Again. I heartily recommend it okay, to okay. anybody, to be honest with you. Where exactly is Hell's Kitchen? Right? Hell's Kitchen was a, a specific portion of New York prior to Mer Giuliani's clean-up of the city that was renowned for crime and drugs. Once a bastion of the poor and working-class Irish Americans, over the last three decades of the 20th century and into the new millennium, Hell's Kitchen has undergone change as a result of its proximity to Midtown. So they've cleaned it up, basically. Mm. But back when Daredevil was being written, they used it as a backdrop for crime and vice. Besides, it's a good name, Hell's Kitchen. Do you know what I think? Yeah. Well, I think so. Go on. Right, so yes. there's a villain you never see in this. Yes. He's hidden behind the shadow. Yes. Lackeys get drowned Yes. I'm guessing Kingpin. No! Oh. Do you want to read the rest of this? I may, yeah. Alright, then I won't tell you it is then. Okay, then. Okay, okay. So it's not Kingpin? No, it is not Wilson Fisk, the Kingpin of Crime. Ah. 
looking at the book from start to finish for my notes this was back when Marvel had gatefold opening covers I've noticed a lot yes I, I practice I quite liked as this is the first issue this introduces us to the status quo of the title for the time largely using an artwork sorry from Frank Miller and John Romita Jr.'s retelling of Dee Dee's origin miniseries Man Without Fear which I also think is heartily recommended if you've never read it okay it's basically turning into Daredevil 101 this isn't it yeah Yes. Uh, this was actually useful in rereading this issue, as I didn't remember that at this point Nelson Murdoch, attorneys at law, had another partner, Franklin Foggy Nelson's mum, Rosalind Sharp. Uh, I also didn't remember that Foggy was dating Liz Allen Osborne at this point. What happened with that relationship in the Spider Man books? Did uh, it just peter uh, out when they rebooted it? Yeah. I don't remember. Can you go to confession first thing in the morning? Probably. Is Catholic Church open all Because I'm not a Catholic. Yeah. So. If anyone out there does know, can you go to um, confession so, yeah. at any time of day? Can you? Is there always somebody there? I think so, yeah. Are the churches always open? Because they always seem to be in American films and television shows, don't yeah. they? Because um, our churches aren't. No. Uh, the credits for this are ten pages into the issue. But when they arrive, they really are exceptionally well done. The lettering by Liz Agrafiotis, I'm probably massacring that name yeah. is excellent the double page spread by Quisada and Permiati is simply fantastic I, 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 I couldn't read that right you know, no. can you not read Guardian Devil part one and the child shall lead them all I can now yeah this was before Quisada's art style became so stylized they became ugly and in some cases simply awful there's that Spider-Man poster where Spider-Man's hands are so contorted you think his wrists are going to break. Have you seen that one? No. That's awful. I think the art in this is gorgeous throughout the entire issue. Notable pages, along with the double-page spread, are the first page, look at New York. Gwyneth surrounded by the angels on page 18. And the wonderful storytelling on page 16. So obviously we disagree about the art then, don't we? Because mm. you thought the art in this was, fan- was, was quite dire. What? Why don't you like it? It's oh. just the right side of cartoony for me. And like I say, it's before Quisada would become so stylized. I, I really don't like his art now. Mm. But I loved this. I thought this was great. I just think it's not cartoon. It's ug- cartooning ugly. It's an ugly cartoon. You think? Hmm. Yeah, all right, fair enough. I, I, I liked it. You it's didn't. Ed, Ed and Eddie trying to be liked. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, love page 11, where the narration boxes say the kitchen is under my protection, and Dee Dee's hands just burst through the windscreen. It's not physically plausible, one wouldn't imagine. Can you punch See, through a windscreen? I, I didn't get the storytelling on some of these. Why? For, okay, car following the woman. Yeah, the car the is right inside. behind the girl at that point. And, and then the smash, and then that, and then he, he flips over, mm-hmm. but then he's falling on that one. Yeah. And... I don't follow it sometimes. Did you know? No. Okay, sorry. Well, that's being said, there's a lot of reading on every page. Which I loved. A yeah. comic book that you read instead of just glance through quickly and look at the pretty art. Yeah. It was uh, very good. Nice little touches in this story, I thought. At the cinema, Ash, directed by Steven Spielberg, is playing. Ash was a creator-owned project by Quasada and Permiardi. Uh, on page one. Page 11, Matt brokered a billion dollar insurance policy for the city against meta-human damages. And on page 13, Jay and Silent Bob are on Matt's speed dial in Braille. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was something that um, was pointed out on Comic Book Resources, hidden in jokes. Mm. Matt's phone is obviously all in Braille, because he's blind, and one of them on there is Jay and Silent Bob. 
which I thought was quite <laughs> funny. I don't know why Matt Murdock would need to call Jane Silent Bob. Yeah, one would hope not, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, to his credit, Smith keeps the pop culture references down in this story. The references to O.J. Simpson lawyer Johnny Cochran is a bit jarring now, but no more so than the references to I Like Ike in old Spider-Man issues. They also made a reference to that in Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, didn't they? I like Ike. Ike was a presidential candidate in the early 60s, I want to say. Okay, then. That didn't win, I don't think. Fair enough. Page 21. Would Matt know what the X-Files was? Maybe he liked watching it. Very funny. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) well done. He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who watches a lot of television. Even in the background... Hmm. See, one of the, another one of the things about the Daredevil movie, when he gets up in the morning out of his tank, his self-deprivation tank, he turns the radio on, doesn't he, and it's heavy rock music. I don't see, or it's rather, it's music that they could put on the soundtrack to sell a few copies. Hmm. I don't see Matt Murdock listening to that. Classical. Yeah, I get a classical vibe off jazz. Matt Murdock. Maybe some jazz, yeah. yeah. I don't get a rock music vibe off him. No. But that's the film, and we're not talking about the film. I have to confess... To, be, to have grown a bit lukewarm on Kevin Smith as a filmmaker. He bats a, a 50% success rate with me. For every chasing Amy, there's a Jersey girl that puts me off. Um, yeah, I have a daughter. I don't feel the need to make a terribly saccharine and tedious movie about how great it is to have a daughter. Besides, I know everybody thinks their daughter is the best in the world, but they're clearly wrong because mine is. But I think as a comic book writer, for the most part, he's pretty top-notch. Oh, Yes, he has juvenile tendencies to keep in check. His recent Batman miniseries, where he oh. mentions that on his first night out, Batman pissed himself. <laughs> yeah. Exhibit A, my lord. Oh, that was yeah, shocking. I like Cacophony and uh, Winding Guy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. His writing and his stories are good. Yeah. He needs an editor who will basically just say, that gag about Batman pissing himself, take it out. Yeah, but I, I prefer his films to his comics, really. With the exception of those two Batman titles. See, I think when he has a decent editor and reins himself in a bit, his writing's excellent. Case in point, I think this issue of Daredevil was great. Oh, yeah, it's got another popular Smith-ism. Highness crime committed against a woman. Check. Also see Exhibit B, my lord. Spider-Man, the evil that men do. But this is an extremely well-written book with lovely details. Karen Page's her is still in the brush in the bathroom, was a lovely little touch. And an excellent examination of Matt Murdock's faith. Um, You've already raised the point, Matt Murdock was a Catholic, was this established here by other writers, but since I wrote this, Mm. I remembered that it was mentioned in Born Again, so he is just following on from Frank Miller. I thought this was a marvellous setup for a multi-part story, because it actually had dialogue and narration boxes, and it takes more than five minutes to read. In fact, this was so good, I want to dig out the remaining seven issues and read the rest of it. Okay, then. It was plagued by delays yeah. when it first came well, out, which will come as no surprise to you. Mm. I actually think it was Quisada's fault. Really? I think so. But doesn't Kevin Smith spend more time on the toilet? <laughs> more time playing else? on the Wii. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, we have been asking the question, was this relaunch necessary and is it any good? It was certainly very good... But as to whether it was necessary, hmm, probably. Well, I don't remember Daredevil ever stopping for them to need to do a reboot. Or yeah, well, it got cancelled yeah. and started at number one again. Um, I mean, this isn't just relaunching a new creative team, which is always a lame reason to start at number one. Exhibit C, my lord, the Mackie Burns Spider-Man relaunch in 1999. But this was launching a new imprint. 
So successful was this imprint that just a year or so later, Quesada would be given the reins to the whole Marvel Universe, a position he still occupies today. Uh. Under Quesada's tenure, we've had big-budget movies for most of Marvel's A-list and some B-list characters, whilst all of the comics have had makeovers. So that would probably be a yes, then. Yeah. I wasn't reading Daredevil prior to this. So I don't know why the book needed relaunching or rebooting or yeah. what have you. I think about what came after this, though. There's never been any truly great Daredevil stories. Bendis' run. The first couple of Ed Brubacker's stuff. After that. For the most part, I think the Marvel Knights Daredevil stuff was consistently good. Okay. You need to read the Bendis stuff. I, I shall. As you know, yeah. I'm, I'm quite the... Um, I wouldn't say I'm anti-Bendis, but well. he has to win me over. Let's yeah. put it that way, with everything that I read of his. And he has to write enough of it so it's readable. Yeah. That's Scarlet. Yeah. Okay, book one. Yeah. Big hardback graphic novel collection. Yes. Read in ten minutes. Did you? Yeah. See... And that's five. It, that is a complaint that can be registered against his Daredevil run, but yeah. it was good. And if he won me over with it, I'm quite prepared to give him some slack. His alias... Um, the Alias is very good. Hundred and odd issues of Ultimate Spider-Man are my favourite. Are they? Yeah. Well, even Ultimate Spider-Man suffers from the let's pad it out thing. I mean, well, I know it's a cliche criticism yeah. at this point, but it's a valid one. I liked it until the part where it did suffer from the bendicism of it takes you five minutes to read it. And then there was that mm. one story arc which said, ha, if you've not played the game, then you're going to suck at this. I hadn't played the game, I don't think. You, you had, yeah. Had I? But there was a chapter in it which tied into the game Ultimate so Spider-Man. much that if you hadn't read it, you wouldn't know what's going on. Right, OK. Uh, Smith only wrote the first eight issues, I think. Eight or nine issues, I can't remember. And his run gave way to the epic Bendis Maleve run, where Bendis picked up on threads from early issues that Matt, thinking no one will believe a blind man to be Daredevil, has over the years been very careless with his secret identity, and he was outed and prosecuted. This was an excellent run that, if I am to be critical, does suffer from Bendis' padding stuff out too much of the time, but it's one of the best extended stories ever to be written for comics. This storyline was picked up by Ed Brubacker and Andy Diggle, in which Dee Dee, having been in prison, takes control of the hand, and following the Shadowland crossovers, leaves New York to find himself. I'm sure he did that in the Andersenti run as well. Yeah, what well, went down in Shadowland? Not read him. All I know from that is he killed people. Not read him. He went mad and went... Yah! Did he really? Mm-hmm. Not read him. Is that why Black Panther took over? Yes. Right. Because he, cause he okay. buggered off. He's like, oh, hi, hi, dad. And Black Panther's like, oh, I'll, I'll come in for you. <laughs> anyway, with the Marvel Knights incarnation of DD coming to an end, the book was relaunched yet again in the July of 2011 with a new direction and a new creative team. Woo. I like this one. This was pretty damn fun, this one. Excellent. Daredevil number one has an excellent cover, I think, by Paolo Rivera, of a smiling Daredevil, his billy club covering his eyes, very clever. But, um, yes. As great swirls of sound effects in the shape of buildings and birds. It's a really clever cover that my description isn't yeah. doing justice to, to be honest with you. It also had two other covers mm-hmm. on otherish variants. One by John Romita Sr. and Tom Palmer. Yeah. And one by Neil Adams. The Which Neil Adams exactly one exactly the same like the last exceptionally good, but does look a lot like the Quizada one, except you can see the bottom of his face. Does Neil Adams get much work lately? I think so. He just seems to be doing covers for everything. Maybe it pays well to do cover. Uh, it does say Here Comes Daredevil, but, no man but it doesn't say The Man Without Fear, it just says number one. So Here Comes Daredevil number one. Okay. Which I quite here like. Comes Daredevil, a man with a smile. Yeah, smiling. What do you think of the cover, Michael? I like it. Good. 
<laughs> the story is by Mark Wade. The art is by Paolo Riviera and Joe Riviera. Um, it doesn't really have a title, as far as I can ascertain, other than Here Comes Daredevil. Uh, Dee Dee is hidden in the Cloisters, a European abbey in Manhattan where a mob wedding uniting two major crime families is taking place. Daredevil has gotten wind of an assassination here that turns out to be a kidnapping by old Spider-Man bad guy, The Spot. In short succession, Dee Dee foils the kidnapping, pinpoints the inside man who set it up, takes down The Spot and kisses the bride. All in a day's work. The next day, Matt Murdock heads to his first new case as a returning attorney. It does not go according to plan. The prosecution uses his status as Daredevil, whether people believe that or not, to turn the case around and ruins the case. The judge throws it out, asking for a continuance, and suggests the plaintiff get a new lawyer. Matt is upset, as is Foggy, but Matt vows he'll be ready next time. Whilst ruminating on a rooftop, Kristen McDuffie, the new assistant DA, meets up with Matt, lets him know in no uncertain terms that she knows he's Daredevil, and points out that the case he just had thrown out was turned down by every other lawyer in town. She hints that maybe Daredevil should investigate why that was. Whilst doing just that, Dee Dee's hypersense is distracted by a sky full of aluminium foil and Captain America's shield heads at top speed straight to his head. That's scumbuggery. That's just naughty, isn't it? Yeah. There's a second story in this issue, which is also by Mark Wade. Which is good. With art by Marcus Martin, and again has no title. Perhaps Wade's allergic to titles. Matt takes Foggy on a tour of New York and shows him the great things about being alive, including pretty window shoppers with nice pert bottoms, the smell of strawberries, the taste of apricots, and how to play the violin. Along the way, he explains his radar sense and how it works and his new philosophy of life. Foggy isn't entirely sure this is a good thing. first page uh, sums up Daredevil's origin well and doesn't take up an entire six issue story no I was quite impressed with that that was actually written by Fred Van Lente and yeah. not by Mark Wade but it is exceptionally good I, I'm Fred Van Lente do you yeah. I, what I little I've read of his stuff I like very much his Marvel Zombies is fun did he take over Marvel Zombies after Robert Kirkman it's very different from Robert, uh, Robert Kirkman but it's very fun alright also, Daredevil is blinder in the first page than he is throughout the entire Kevin Smith issue. Why? Because in the Kevin Smith one, I forgot Daredevil was blind, to be honest, until near the end of the issue. He just goes, ah, there's a woman in my closet, pretends to be blind, pretends to be blind. Well, he doesn't have to pretend to be blind, he is actually blind. Well, no, but he pretty much says yeah. But I forgot he was blind and there was nothing in there reminding me of how he was. In this, it's like he is blind and he uses his senses in pretty much every page. And exceptionally well, yeah. as well. Okay. Um, also, page five, panel three. Yes, I think is the scariest the spot has that, ever looked. Yeah, where you see Daredevil's radar sense or echolocation sense depiction of what the spot looks like, and it's pretty bloody cool mm. to be honest with you. Daredevil sees him with holes in him because of the black spots on him that you can like yeah. portals through the. It's 
excellent. I'm really not doing justice to that panel. It is an exceptionally good piece of artwork. You're absolutely right that that's brilliant. Um, I'm quite liking this, Matt. He's not all doomy and gloomy like Frank Miller and pretty much every other writer to date has him, but he's actually quite cheerful and likable. He is, isn't he? Yeah. He's actually quite nice in this. See, one of the things with the Bendish run is he's very arrogant hmm. in it. He's so confident, even though he's basically blown it that he's Daredevil, he's so confident that people won't think he is. Yeah. He's overconfident and cocky. And he does occasionally come across as arrogant and unlikable. Mm. Whereas in this, yeah, Matt Murdock's lovely in this, isn't he? Yeah. He's a really nice bloke. And I do quite like that he's denying that he's Daredevil. Yeah. Though everyone knows he's he still is. denying it. Because he wouldn't be able to practice as a lawyer if he was yeah. accepted that he was Daredevil, would he? I suppose at least he didn't unmask himself to the entire world. Well, cough, cough, Spider-Man, cough, yeah, cough, they, Miller. they got rid of that pretty sharpish, didn't they? Mm. Um, I also really like the art in this. Yeah, the art's brilliant. Isn't it the guy who did the two-ish, two-page Stanley stuff in Spider-Man? Not I think so, yes. Because that is damn good, and I think he's as good an artist as J.H. Williams III. The way he's he, doing Batwoman. Yeah, the way he uses panels to tell the story and every page is like a piece of art yeah it's it, it, the artwork is fantastic yeah. especially that page where he's jumping backwards which we, you can't say the page number off because you can't count Our can you not page comics don't have any page numbers <laughs> anymore yes yeah where DD just throws himself backwards off the building while still on the phone while still wearing his Matt Murdock stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's, he, Wade does a brilliant job with this, of mm. making Matt Murdock likeable and really cool. Yeah, the two-page spread as well, in the last uh, story, Yeah, I thought was really good and a good way of showing all of his senses. Yeah, it is pretty excellent, that. The two-page spread, the second... No, it's not. Page numbers! Page four and five of the second story are very, yeah. very good, yeah. My notes are pretty much the same as yours, to be honest. This has a really cool saga cell. Opening page recapping Dee Dee's origin, just like old TV shows used to do. It's fantastic. Uh, the art is excellent, as we've said. I'm not disagreeing with you on this one. Mm. Something's going wrong. Rivera's art, like Marcus Martin, is deceptively simple line work. That Because it's not covered in speed lines or cross-hatching means that it can't hide any inadequate anatomy or storytelling. His way of depicting Dee Dee's radar scent is exceptional. Completely different to what we've seen before, but still obvious in what it is representing. Whilst the panel details on the wedding and of New York City and the courtroom interiors are all magnificent. A plus for the artwork. The opening pages I think are fantastic, an excellent and wonderful blending of words and pictures, and a pure example of why the art form known as comics is simply unsurpassed. The narration, the dialogue, the action, all wonderfully done. Fast paced yet no skimping on characterization. Matt's horn dog rep where he plants a kiss on the bride, is also wonderfully represented. I also love that we don't actually see Dee Dee take down the spot. We just find out that he does. Yeah. An excellent beginning to this issue. The, when he's picking up his coffee, Matt Burface lies to the guy about being Dee Dee, mm. which is <laughs> very, very funny. Uh, the scene later on, again, we've no page numbers, but we've dissed on that before, between Matt and McDuffie is playful and fun, and you can just sense Matt's next conquest. It's like that line in the James Bond film, Goldeneye. Right. Who's that? The next girl. <laughs> Which was on the other night, is it? Goldeneye. Hopefully, Wade is a better writer than to kill her off. Uh, the scene where Dee Dee chucks himself off the building, as we've already discussed, is 
awesome. Although Hal and Ellison would probably sulk at me for using the word awesome to describe a comic book. Uh, was this relaunch necessary and is it any good? I don't know why the relaunch was necessary. I think it is. Why? Because you think the Marvel what Knights? I've read, yeah. Daredevil's going about killing people. Is he? Like Daredevil shouldn't right, be. Right, see, I don't people. know anything about Shadowlands. Especially since it went from dark and gritty and no one cares anymore to, ooh, this is cool. Right, well, Stephen Lasick in 20 Minute Long Box did cover a Shadowlands issue. Yeah. So everything I know about Shadowlands is from that podcast. And Stephen, we promised you a shout out. This Daredevil episode's for you. We promised that we'd do that. So that he wouldn't not send you an email so he, again. So that he can now not send him an email telling me about an episode right, I did stop do. stop it, stop it. Okay, fair enough. My head um, As I said, I dip in and out of DD. And Shadowlands took place whilst I was dipping out. So I don't know if the relaunch was necessary, if that was considered the end of a, a chapter of a, the story. And this is a complete new beginning. But this first story is damn good. Wade wastes no time talking about what has gone before. A common complaint about the Spider-Man relaunch by Mackie and Byrne. This truly represents a new beginning. A plus, Mr. Wade. Wade also excels in the second tale, a nice little show-don't-tell exercise in which Matt explains to Foggy how his radar sense works. With all this exposition handled in the second story, the first story is opened up. It's a neat little structure. And both tales are really, really fun. Also worth noting, thanks to editor Steve Wacker, this book has a text page intro. Well done, Mr. Wacker. These are sorely missing from other issue ones, and it's always fun to have some context to the book. Sadly, this is mostly about the sad death of DD artist Gene Colan, but it is nice to actually have it in here. Mm. This issue was also released as an MP3 for blind uh, yeah, people I to read listen along some to, of it, but... which uh, I really enjoyed listening to. Did Matt you? Wade. Actually, has a really good radio voice. Does it? Yeah, because Matt Wade reads I've the caption not description. To all of it. It's worthless. I enjoyed it. It was okay. really good. Did they do um, it for issue two? I don't know. I'd have to have a look. I don't know if they did an issue two one, but issue one was really good. Adverts in both of the issues this time. Daredevil number one from 1998 as an advert for Pokemon. Got to catch them all. That's that's a small axe. A what? I remember I mentioned it in another episode and Chris on Facebook asked me what one is. A Snarlax. Alright. Advert for Small Soldiers. A Woo! film you loved as a kid. <laughs> yeah. You watched that film over and over and again I, I as a child. Loads of toys and well. you had quite a lot of the time. On video, yeah? On video. Uh, it's a good little film, isn't it, Small yeah. Soldiers? We're a big fan of Small Soldiers. Um, Sir Michelle Gellervoice is one of the puppets in it, doesn't she? Does she? One of the Barbie dolls. Yeah. Um, advert for... Three Ninjas High Noon at Mega Mountain, a film that stars Hulk Hogan in a terrible wig. An advert for the soundtrack for Blade, music from and inspired by the motion picture. Do you know that's a tagline that makes me not buy the soundtrack? Yeah. Music inspired by. I.e., it wasn't actually in the film. Yeah. I hate soundtracks like that. Yellow Card did a good song um, about Mary Jane for the Spider Man 2 soundtrack. Did they? Yes, they did. Is it in the film? Probably not. There you go. It's still damn good. There's though. a PlayStation advert for Parasite Evil. Is this Final Fantasy, this no, one? It's on, it, it, it looks like it, it looks a bit Resident final. Evil. Yeah. Adverts for Life Without a Brain? Not. I don't know what this is an advert for. <laughs> Apparently I have to turn it upside down. The X brain is so smart, it can make a neophyte look like a seasoned X gamer. A what? Uh, <laughs> Over my head. Uh, there's an advert to subscribe to Fantastic Four number so one. Did this come out Heroes Return. When 
the Heroes Return stuff. It must have done because there is an advert there for Heroes Return, I which we covered in two weeks ago. No, it's around the same time. Okay. They were still doing bullpen bulletins pages at this point. Stanley answers questions from people, and other books that were coming out this month: Black Panther number one, Captain America number eleven, Heroes for Hire seventeen, Hulk four seventy. Just after Peter David had been kicked off. Why did he get kicked off? He got fired. Uh, Peter Parker's Spider-Man by Howard Mackie and John Romita setting up the final oh very close to the relaunch what was this Peter Parker Spider-Man that we've covered frequently Strange Tales 64 pages of horror Thunderbolts what if Marvel heroes had never returned from the secret wars X-Man X-Men and X-Men Crossroads so quite a lot of X-Men books there um, XXX. Yes. Four Marvel Hot Picks X Men 82, The Hunt for Xavier by Kelly Cuba and Farmer. Spider Man Chapter 1, Issue 1 and 2, written and drawn by John Byrne. Awful. Were they? Awful series. Even for a fan of John Byrne. Yeah, the artwork's great. Yeah. The, 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 so it's the no. equal of uh, Neil Adams' Batman Odyssey. Yeah, I don't know what happened with John Byrne at this point. In the late 90s, he really lost his mojo. He got it back again, but... Mm. Deadpool 23, and the Supernaturals 1 to 4. I wonder if I had 23. You've probably got it one of those trade paperbacks I've got. Oh, I'm not, because it's like two extra ones after what I've got. On the back, the aforementioned Sarah Michelle Geller is advertising milk, wearing a corset and a jacket, and nothing else by the look of things. Okay. She's got white stuff around her mouth. Not suggestive. <laughs> In any way. No. Uh, the Daredevil number one by Mark Wade again kicks off with an advert for Got Milk, mm. but this time it's the Green Lantern. What did, I was thinking the other day, did they actually advertise a company? Is Got Milk a company or anything? No, it's just advertising milk. So no one gets any money from these advertisements? I presume not. Cows. Well, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> the cows get some money. <laughs> just have visions of the cows sitting there counting the money. This is from the Sarah Michelle Geller advert. This is from the Hal Jordan advert. Um, because this is a very recent comic, most of the ads in this centre around summer yeah, movies. Uh, Captain America gets an advert for a PlayStation game. No, it's an Xbox game, isn't it? Uh, there's an advert for the TV show Alphas on Sci-Fi that I watched the pilot for and don't feel the need to watch anymore. It's just heroes reheated. Adam liked it. Did he? Well, he's never read the X-Men, has he? I watched Heroes. There's an advert for Harry Potter Land at Universal Orlando, which we will be going to. Yeah. Because Anya and I, my daughter, are currently midway through Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Third one's the best. Is it? Film-wise, yeah. That bubblegum that we slagged off last week gets advertised again, because this came out the same time. And again. again. They're really plugging this bubblegum, aren't they? And that's pretty much it. None of the adverts in this new one are interesting. The adverts in the 90s one are much more interesting. Fast show writer Charlie Higson has a new book out in the US. Nice to see him do so well, I suppose. Cat rides his bike, we mentioned all of that last time. Uh, That's about it for this time. Those were two shiny issues of Daredevil. I hope you enjoyed listening to them as much as we enjoyed talking about them. Mm -hmm. What are we doing next week? Justice League. Oh, is it? Mm. Is it Justice League next week? Next week we probably won't do emails because we've got three issues. We're going to do the Justice League relaunch from the 1980s by Giffen and DiMatteis and Kevin Maguire. We're going to do Justice League by Grant Morrison and Howard Martin. We got through an entire episode without mentioning him. And we're going to do the new one 
by Jeff yeah, Johns well. and Jim Lee. Yeah. Yes. I hope you'll enjoy us for that. Stephen Lacey, this one was for you. We're going to end with... I think we're going to end with an R.E.M. song, to be honest with you. Oh, okay. Then. Probably find the river. Okay. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. this episode of Hey Kids Comics.